Welcome to Maximize Your Influence, your resource for the top persuasion, influence, and negotiation techniques that will help you maximize your success in life and business. And now, here are your hosts, Kurt Mortensen and Steve Olson. Welcome to episode 84 of Maximize Your Influence. Steve Olson here with Kurt Mortensen, and we're recording this episode very late at night for you. We could trail off. The normal superior quality of the show could suffer. The insults may get really sloppy. <laughs> they're, they're usually quite tasteful, the insults are, but I, I'm making no promises tonight. Yeah, we could have an increase of snoring, drooling, foaming at the mouth, that sort of thing. But other than that, we're going to promise good content today. <laughs> well, let's hope that that's all it is, is drooling <laughs> and foaming at the mouth or whatever that stuff is. How do you just make that up? I mean, that's... It's sleeping people drool. Isn't that kind of human nature? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Maybe it's just I'm too tired and not thinking straight. But hey, I'm here. We're that... ready to roll. Yeah. Hey, and good news. What's that? Today was the... World famous, bring in the heckler to Kurt's persuasive presentations course at the college, and it went gangbusters. <laughs> oh, yeah? Do I know the heckler? No, I had a couple different. I had a couple. I set from England, and I let the students know that was the London chapter of the National Heckling Federation. Right. <laughs> and then I had a New York heckler, which is a little more abrasive. For those of you who don't know, I teach a persuasive presentations, public speaking, and we have to bring in a heckler because... Hey, in persuasion and influence and speaking, if you can't handle the heckler, if you can't handle the mean person, if you can't handle the clueless person, if you can't handle a lame question, you might as well stay home because that's a huge part of your ability to persuade influence. That's a good thing to bring up. So you and I hadn't talked about this in our show prep, which, yes, we do show prep, everybody. <laughs> what would you call a heckler? Most people, I think, just define it as the drunk guy at the wedding who is insulting the speaker. And... It's beyond that, correct? Yeah, there's two types of hecklers, and you'll see the venom heckler. That's the person in your audience that's trying to make you look bad that might be drunk. The person in the boardroom that wants to make you look better, have their ID better to shoot you down so they look better. But the majority of the times the one we deal with is the clueless hecker, the, the person that wants to show the audience that they know more than everyone else, or the crying baby, or talking on your cell phone, or talking to your neighbor, or falling asleep, or asking too many questions or asking lame questions, any of those to throw the speaker off. A lot of times I call it adult teasing. A lot of times these people are looking for a response, see what you're <laughs> made of. And we tease growing up to get a reaction, and you got to stay in control and have the ability to handle it. Because even in politics, people are full-time hecklers. They call it bracketing, and it's something that we can all deal with, that we deal with every day. I mean, if you lose control, if they get under your skin, if they make you look bad, if you get angry – you have lost the persuasion game. That's right. Yeah, adults are just grown-up five-year-olds, right? Pretty much, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it is kind of funny to see that, where where you see an adult reacting to something or heckling, and you think, you know what? We could change out some words, shrink you by about three feet, put some overalls on you, then this would totally fit, right? It, it's, <laughs> they use some of the same tactics, and oftentimes it's because those worked for them when they were five years old, and so now they've got a bigger vocabulary. I know. I saw that in a negotiation where a common millionaire friend we both have, and I was monitoring it, and he got emotional, and he finally says, well, I have more money than you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My dad can beat up your dad. <laughs> 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 what, what, what are we doing here? 
<laughs> so as the emotions hit and the blood leaves the brain, strange things happen. Yeah. Yeah, I witnessed my seven-year-old daughter use the get off my property line the other day. Oh, great. <laughs> Some kid she didn't like came over to our house. Get off my property. And I was like, well, hang on. Let's talk about whose property it is. That's right. And then we can discuss your treatment of the neighbor kid. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I've seen that. But I think it's common in all kids. I've seen that before, too. Like, oh, where did that come from? Okay. Yeah, every kid at some point decides they're going to play that card. <laughs> they, they play that card and the dad beat up your dad card. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I guess we all are five-year-olds. There's our insult for everyone today. We're just uh, up five-year-olds. Yeah. Everybody sucks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Write that down and uh, yeah. memorize it. Add everyone to the insult register. We got to keep a formal in, insult register. I think that'd be cool. We could post it on the blog. Everybody who's been insulted. Yeah. Just kind of lean Who was insulted and how many complaints? Yeah. Yeah. How totally. Plainometer. That's what we need to have. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's late. We warned you. The ideas are subpar. They're not great tonight. <laughs> oh, man. We better, we better suck it up and make it happen. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's do this. <laughs> the wheels are coming off quickly. Well, and and you know this is a pretty uh, pretty deep kind of heady numbers oriented geeky article moment which cue the Urkel by the way. All right, Urkel, give it to us. <laughs> Did I do that? Oh, I love Urkel. That's just hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> so we have some stats for you today, brought to you by Kurt about uh, emails and email marketing and when you should send them and when you shouldn't and all that kind of stuff. What do you think, Kurt? Emails, voicemails, some shocking stats that was compiled by, hopefully I get this right, Zachary Lukasisowicz. Sorry about that, Zach. But anyway, he kind of compiled some different studies. These come from all over the place, but really fascinating. Some some are dust, some aren't. For example, let's talk about emails. I'll just kind of shoot some out. This, this one's from MailChimp, which is a email provider. They said email opens increase after 12 p.m with the most active period being between 2 p.m. and 5 p.m., which makes sense. I mean, the morning, we're more stressed, got to get things done, kind of eases up in the afternoon. They also said 33% of email recipients open emails based on subject line alone. That's a third based on subject line. I can see that. Uh, Probably the name, too, would be interesting, who it's from. Yeah, that's part of it. Subject lines with more than three words experience a drop in open rate by over 60%. Oh, that is interesting. Here's one from Retention Science. Personalized emails, including the recipient's first name in the subject line, have higher open rates. So some of those we knew, some of they didn't. I mean, it's all about getting people to open and read your emails. Now let's switch gears to voicemail. Now here's a number that's really interesting from Inside Sales. The average voicemail response rate is about 4.8%. So that means 100 <laughs> dials, you're getting five. Now... Now, that's a good number to have, so you can gauge where you're at. Maybe you're getting 10, maybe you're getting 2, but you need to kind of gauge industry standard there. That's industry standard. Hopefully, you're doing better than that. There are ways to increase that. 15% of every sales rep time is simply leaving voicemails. And here's one that I did not know. This is what I learned today. The optimal voicemail message is between 8 and 14 seconds. That research was done by the sales hunter. That's good stuff. It is. It's always good to know the stats, where you rank, what's happening, when to send emails, when not to. In fact, they also talk about calling, which the best times to call is between Wednesdays and Thursdays, right? On Wednesday or Thursday, okay. Yeah. And the worst time of call, here's your dub moment, is from 6 a.m. to noon (laughs) (laughs) and Friday's afternoon. Okay. 
And a couple more that we already knew. We have talked about 80% of sales require five follow-up calls, and 44% of salespeople give up after one follow-up. So fascinating numbers to kind of gauge where you're at, especially on the voicemails and what you do. It matters. They keep track of these numbers, and if you're in sales, you've got to keep track of all your numbers. If you're not keeping score, you're not serious about winning this thing. You know what a sad commentary this is on how the average business person just run and, and I'm not saying I'm above average here, okay, but the the average business person runs their business or, or their job like just a total crisis management type of a deal. They're, they're a glorified paramedic because what you just said is people only really want to take calls and answer emails in the afternoon and especially on Wednesday and Thursday, so don't do it on Monday or Tuesday or half a Friday. Because <laughs> people are only doing anything productive on uh, Wednesday or Thursday, maybe a little bit on Friday morning. Other than that, it's I'm checking out for the weekend or I'm too busy cleaning up from all the fallout from the weekend. They'd spend the first two days of the week doing that, it seems like. That's true. you got to cut through that clutter, give them a reason to open your email, give them a reason to return your voicemail, give them a reason to call you. Because, yeah, people are in crisis management. They're busier than ever. And you've got to cut through that and show them either ways to make money or save money that's going to grab their attention. So your email campaigns you want delivered after lunch. Keep those subject lines as short as possible. Uh, the the one conflicting thing I heard in the article, which I don't think it was intentionally conflicting because that was obviously different sources um, on each of those points that hadn't talked to each other. But one of the subject lines was, hey, keep it to three words. And the other one was, use their name in the subject line. So... That kind of leaves me with, Kurt, open this, you know, yeah. <laughs> not a lot of choices. So you got to keep it brief, but use that name where you can. Or just do the universal name, one word in the subject line, dude. <laughs> Might work. Try it out. Dude. <laughs> Cutting edge research here on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> you could also try subject lines like sex or free money. Yeah. That's right. Free money. Yeah, these, yeah, these they, are all going to get pull, attention. They, they do pull well. We see them all the time. You see them all the time in your spam box. That means they've been pulling well somewhere. <laughs> There's a sucker born every minute, yeah, that's right? that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Those spam people, they know their numbers. I mean, you, most of us look at it and laugh. Who's going to open that? They're doing it for a reason. Yeah, if you see it, that means people are talking to the person in Africa who has $50 million and wants to give it to you because they can't get it out of the country. <laughs> you know what the new one is is help i'm in london and i got mugged and i i need five thousand dollars and i'll pay you back you know that's the new one well the scary thing about that it's someone you know because they've hacked that email yeah. address of someone you know so you're like oh no what's going on that's my mom you're like wait a minute I, she's not in london <laughs> <laughs> the first time i got one of those i wasn't aware that it was a thing and it was from a guy that owed me money <laughs> oh, there you go. You're like, all right, you just rotten your And I wrote back and I said, good luck getting out of London, pal. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah. Because it, it was all this, this impassioned plea that he could pay back. And so I'm thinking, well, why don't we start with what you already owe me, right? Yeah, let's, let's start there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. Stuck, stuck in London. <laughs> None, zero. So, uh well, good. We've got an IQ question as we continue the cheat sheet on the Persuasion IQ test. Go to MaximizeYourInfluence.com, scroll down to the bottom, you'll see where it says Persuasion IQ, and you can take the test, and you can go back and listen to this episode and the last few episodes to to cheat, to get the answers to the Persuasion IQ test, learn about persuasion in the process. And if you're the kind of person that wants to learn more, if just listening to the podcast every week isn't quite enough for you, 
you need to go to universityofpersuasion.com. We've got a variety of options there you, that you can check out to become a better persuader. So let's get to the question for the day. Kurt has the Jeopardy music playing in his head. He has that music playing in his head most of the day. So when you <laughs> run into him, it'll explain a lot. So here we go. Kurt, are you ready? Feeling good. Go. What is the first color to register in the human brain? A, red. B, orange. C, yellow. D, white. E, gold. What do you think? Ooh, drum roll on that one. Most people will say red, but that is wrong. It is yellow. It is yellow. So why is it yellow? If you put all the colors up in the whole spectrum, yellow is the first one that triggers in the brain that we see. I mean, that's why you see fire hydrants and fire trucks turning yellow. Now, it's also the first color to annoy. If I showed up to an interview in a yellow suit, I would grab their attention. You certainly would. <laughs> then after a while, they're like, wait a minute, what's going on? So strategically using yellow to grab people's attention is one of the first things that they do see. Man, the research on colors is amazing. Companies spending billions of dollars to find the most credible colors, the most colors that stimulate appetite. All these things come into play. Colors is a powerful persuasive technique. So what's the average persuader going to do to use colors? Obviously, somebody that uh, works the phones most of the time does, doesn't have a lot that they can do there. But what about somebody that runs a business or somebody that does have some liberty over the marketing literature, the, the email campaigns? We, got, we were talking about that today. Obviously, that's a medium where you could where colors would matter. What would be your advice there? Well, if you're working with someone face-to-face, -face, we know that blue... And black or darker colors, contrasting colors are always more persuasive. Marketing literature, PowerPoint presentations, you have to make sure the colors don't clash. Advertising, having the white space. Big part, too, is that colors vary by culture. For example, when I go to Thailand, you can't wear a purple tie because that's reserved for royalty. And a lot of people don't understand that that varies by culture. Even in the pharmaceutical industry, black pills are rated stronger than white pills. Even in food. They came out with white mustard. That didn't sit right with people. They came out with green ketchup, okay? When margarine came out, it was white. That didn't feel right. Coke and Pepsi have come out with clear colas that didn't work. And even the gallons of milk, the jug, if they tint those a little yellow, the milk would last three or four days longer. But on the flip side, no one would buy it because nobody wants yellow milk. Yeah, those food dyes are a big deal. I was having a sandwich today, and I, I like this hot sauce called Louisiana hot sauce. And I was zoned out reading the ingredients on it. And uh, Red 40, which I know the health people are going to freak out. I think Red 40 is, the, is probably the next high fructose corn syrup coming up where everybody's going to hiss at it and <laughs> say it's terrible. <laughs> I'm having this sauce called Louisiana hot sauce. It better be red, right? But obviously, just the ingredients that make it taste that way don't make it red. It wouldn't be that way uh, on its own. So we have these perceptions of what we think thing, uh, the colors of certain things should be. And it's, it's all about the mood that you want to create. And it's all about grabbing attention, right? You've noticed that uh, police tape or construction tape, it's always yellow. They want it to jump right out at you so that you see it, right? You've never seen... A police tape for a crime scene that's a nice soothing taupe color right that's right <laughs> that's not going to happen but you know a theme that you want to create in a doctor's office or something professional you know you're going to use those neutral colors you want to create a, an, an academic and a high-end feel you're probably going to use those those deep blues and and things like that right and if you want excitement and, and such you've you got to bring in the warmer colors so that's what you've got to consider when you're writing your your marketing literature. That's a good point. Maybe I'm off topic, Kurt, but 
when we consider like email marketing, I know we read a bunch of stats off at the beginning of the podcast. I've heard conflicting info that HTML emails versus regular text emails, that the text actually might pull better, which we can't really use color in that. Have you seen any data there that says whether HTML is better than text? And maybe take a crack at explaining HTML as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, the HTML is going to be the graphics they can see. It's pulling from code so you can see the graphics. I've seen it go back and forth. A lot of the email providers now, what they're doing is people, it automatically senses what you prefer and it's going to send it that way. And it has a link for you to go to a website so you can enjoy all the colors. I can't definitively say which is better as far as what's pulling better. Most providers are doing both. But, yeah, there's something about that color and bringing people in and, like you mentioned, creating moods and creating that feeling, whether it be the, the specs on your laundry detergent or they found when you put dye in strawberries or orange juice, even if it was the same batch, a little dye, people rated the flavor better. We think, well, it wouldn't affect me. No, it does from the room you're sitting into, from going to a hospital that's painted black would probably bother you a little bit. <laughs> My favorite study comes out of Seattle, Washington, the U.S. Naval Correction Center, had this holding cell, and the people in there, they were fighting, there was aggression, there was a lot of blood everywhere, I guess it would be, and they're just like, how do we get rid of this aggression? So they had this idea, they painted the whole holding cell, the walls and the floor, pink. <laughs> they didn't do this either, but they painted the whole, <laughs> they painted the whole thing pink, and it reduced aggression. Now, it promoted other feelings. <laughs> okay, I'm, all right. Ah, <laughs> I don't know somebody. I'm kidding on that part. But, hey, even the University of Iowa football visiting locker room at the football stadium, the toilets are pink, everything's pink from the walls <laughs> to the lockers, and it just makes them so mad to go visit there. But the coach is like, hey, that's our competitive advantage. The whole thing is pink. And they claim it's a competitive advantage, and they love doing it. <laughs> That's hilarious. That's hilarious. <laughs> I mean, the coach is in there. It's halftime. we got to give the big motivational speech. We're down by three. We got this. And you're just surrounded by pink tile and lockers and benches. I just... <laughs> yeah. It's like, well, we're going to give a flower to the best position. No. <laughs> it affects people's behavior. But there's something about it. Reds and yellows stimulate appetite. I mean, we can go on about this, but it's amazing. Some studies show that up to 60% of the acceptance or rejection of an object or person comes down to colors and how those colors make us feel. So it's something that we need to take seriously, especially in the world of subconscious triggers where we just feel that it's right or not right, could come down to color. Yeah, yeah, it definitely does. I work in the real estate business and was listing a house the other day, and the basement was painted of a bright lime green everywhere, right? I told and, and the the person listing the property with me was quite proud of this paint job and this their favorite color or whatever. And I, I, you know, I have to break them the bad news, say, hey, you know, you want to sell this house? You got to paint this a neutral color. But it's so beautiful. I said... Yeah, you know what? It might be beautiful to one in a hundred people out there. What do you want to do? Sell the house or not sell the house? Right? You just need to lock them in the basement for two days and see what happens after looking at that color for so long. <laughs> oh. This is what we're talking about. Paint the house. Yeah, yeah. It, it was pretty <laughs> pr pretty brutal. So this is a very product and industry-specific topic when we come down to colors. So you've got to do some research there. What's the feel that you're trying to create? Are you trying to get attention? What kind of credibility are you trying to build? Are you trying to build an appetite? 
these are all things that have to be considered when it comes down to color. So we're going to move off of that. Uh, Kurt, do you have anything else on color today? Just take it seriously. I mean, even simple things like, oh, the, the flavor of coffee. So they asked a couple hundred people to rate this coffee. They had four different containers. and It was all the same coffee. But there was red, blue, brown, and yellow container. Again, all had the same coffee. And what they found, the yellow container was a little too weak. The blue container was too mild. But 75% responded and found the coffee of the brown container to be too strong. Well, 85% found the red container to be rich and full-bodied. Same coffee, completely different reactions based on the color of the container. So contrary to what I've been telling my kids every morning when they fight over the blue cup at breakfast, <laughs> color does matter. Color matters every time. Sounds everywhere. like I got to get a blue, another blue cup. Yeah, that's the easiest way to handle that one. But see, so, then we get into scarcity. If there's two blue cups, then it doesn't matter. That's so, right. Everyone gets a blue cup. Yeah, it's scarcity. It's it's. I want what she has, and I don't want her to have it. That's the deal. All right. Well, good. Why don't we queue up the Homer? Homer, go. Go, go, go. So I keep getting these, and I don't even know if I've mentioned this on the podcast before or not, but. Some idiot keeps trying to do it, right? If you've ever uh, had the great misfortune of uh, joining a multi-level marketing company like I have, and I joke about it, but there's some very good companies out there, and I know some people that have done very well. But uh, when you join one, what usually happens at some point is somebody ends up selling the list of people who join to all kinds of different people to hawk their wares and to call you. And what happens is there's a, a little technique going around out there right now and it's a little disingenuous, and it's super cheesy, and it definitely deserves the homer, you'll probably get a message like this from some number that you do not know, by the way. And it'll be like, oh, hey, Kurt, it's Bob over here. Hey, listen, I got that website that you wanted from the other day. It's www.loseweightfastnow.com. Oh, I, I, what? Yeah, yeah, www.loseweightfastnow.com. I think, yeah, I believe you said you wanted some... Uh, some more of the information on that, like we were talking about. Anyways, I'll catch you later. Call me if there's anything I can do. Click, right? Do we know this guy? No, we have no idea who he is. Have we ever talked to him about weight loss? No, we have not. This is a, a blatant attempt to lower the guard and to try to come across like, uh, you know, you've already met and get somebody to go, did I have a conversation about weight loss? And to just stumble onto the website and get lucky. You know what? They might get lucky occasionally, but it's super annoying, and uh, I'm getting a lot of calls from one particular number, and I'm going to have to do something about it soon. <laughs> so there you go, Kurt. Pretty cheesy, pretty homerish. Yeah, even a blind pig can find food. It's going to work yeah. every once in a while. Statistics are there, but it is. It's high cheese factor. People know you're lying. It will work every once in a while. I mean, this is a very, very old technique. I remember in college, they used to print up newspapers, and they'd cut out the article. They'd put a post-it on it. Hey, work for me. Frank, right? And they'd mail them to everybody, and people are like, oh, wow, there's a cutout article with a post-it on it, and who's Frank? Frank? Why would Frank send this to me? <laughs> Same type of scenario. So it does have diminishing returns. It does have a high cheese factor, but they can get one out of 100. They're going to keep using it until it doesn't work anymore. I guess so. So the dumb people that fall for it make the rest of us have to put up with it. In general, guys, you know, your prospects don't like the cheese, as far as you're concerned, they are lactose intolerant, right? That's right. They can't take it. And those that fall for it, there's also a lot of people in Africa that have money they want to give to you. <laughs> yeah, there's a, a Nigerian prince <laughs> who right. has $800 million 
that's lost in London. Yeah. <laughs> that can't get home. If he could just get your 500 bucks, then he could unleash that 800 million of which he's willing to give you a healthy cut. I mean, because he, he loves you. Yeah. Yeah. You've never met him, but he <laughs> wants to give you $50 million for your $500. The, the hundreds of million email addresses <laughs> they found you. <laughs> yeah. They did a bunch of research on you in their spare time. <laughs> And they said, you know what? This is the guy right here. That's right. They're going to help us out. We'll make them wealthy. Yeah, yeah. So I think we made no large promises with our late night recording, and we certainly delivered. And we want to thank everybody for their for listening to the show. Go to MaximizeYourInfluence.com to check out the blog. Look at the links to the articles that we talk about. You can download the show there and listen to the show there if you want to. Or we would encourage you to subscribe on iTunes. Windows Marketplace or Stitcher Radio. I think we're on TuneIn now as well. So check us out on those links. And if you have questions, comments, derogatory remarks, insults, favorite barbecue recipes, um, sports trash talk, we're willing to hear it all. Maximize your influence at gmail.com and uh, we will answer your questions on the show or respond and email privately if that's what you want. So. There you have it, everybody. Thank you for listening so much, and we will catch you next week on another episode of Maximize Your Influence. Take care. 